All right, hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Space, Space Flicks, Flicks, the podcast where we review a movie and determine if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Internet isn't free, and neither is space internet. That's right. Space internet, unbelievably expensive Gouge, these days. gouge pricing. Yeah. Uh, I apologize um, because my voice is a little bit uh, weird. I don't know how bad it's going to sound on the recording, but I just have a little bit of a cold or something. You'll do the sultry, thoughtful voice. That's right. And I'll be the, the weirdo. Yeah, it'll force me to always sound calm, which will make me sound intelligent, mm-hmm. I think. And I'll make... In more and more insane arguments that you will just have you to should use. Just, you your... should just be the, the extreme opposite and just be like, whoa! <laughs> um, anyway, this uh, so this episode we're going to be talking about Joker. 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 <laughs> um, that by, is the correct pronunciation. From director Todd Phillips. Yeah. Adam, you've got the, I think you've got the IMDb summary up here. Yep, I got it. Uh, in Gotham City... Mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, colon, the Joker. That's actually a re- that's a summary written by like a rando IMDb yeah. poster. Yeah. I'm realizing, but you know it's fine. It's I mean, little... they're generally fine. Yeah, I think. Does the studio not? They, they do have one. I just read literally the very first one. On oh, here. okay, but there's one from Warner the Brothers has an down. official one as well. It's whatever. It's the it's same fine. thing. It's fine. The one you read is fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is obviously uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, there was a lot of uh, there's, there was a lot of talk about this movie. I think it made a big splash at the was it the Venice Film Festival? Yes, it did. Um, and uh, and yeah and, and and even before that, there was just a lot of anticipation for it. I think it's fair to say, you know, like people wanted to see Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, right? Um, yeah, I think people are just excited about like a Joker movie. Period. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, um, but I think if it were starring some like no name actor, it'd be a very different kind of uh, level of of hype. Yeah, Joaquin right? Phoenix is obviously sort of quite famous for mm-hmm. um, these sort of extremely committed and I performances. Think, wasn't Martin Scorsese attached at one point? Like, not as director, maybe, but as producer, I think? Uh, I don't know about that. That seems doubtful, actually, to me. Okay. He was attached to Hustlers at one point. Is that what you're thinking of? Maybe. Possibly. Um, yeah, maybe. So when you say he was attached to Hustlers at one point, you mean then he later dropped They out. had sent him the script, and he, it was... I believe he was considering directing Hustlers at one point. All right. Well, anyway, uh, what were your um, anticipation? What were your expectations going in? Yeah, sadly, with a movie like Joker, uh, because of how much sort of uh, controversy was in the ether, you know, before the movie was widely released, I almost had, like, fears more than I had expectations. What kind right? of fears? Well, that it would be bad? That it would be... Um, the the worst-case scenario was that this would be sort of a glorification of, like, a proud boy incel, uh-huh. right? That um, it would basically just... It would be basically saying that this person would be justified in mass murder because... Uh, you know, they couldn't find anybody to love them or a girl to date them, right? 
that was sort of like the worst case. That was what I feared it would be. I didn't uh-huh. think it would be that because uh-huh. I was like, a movie that got a standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival, it seems unlikely that it could just be that, mm-hmm. right? It also seems unlikely that Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro would sign up to be in such a movie, right? Um, yeah. Well, but but what made... But- like, did the trailer make it seem like that might be the case? No, the trailer I actually felt to be like pretty artful, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it was mo- it was just it was just the like the chatter articles and stuff that ch- were being which written. I tried not to like. Gen- you know me, I generally try not to consume a ton of that stuff, but uh-huh. um, but it was pretty pervasive mm. in the weeks leading up to the film's release. All right, so you were a little bit afraid. I was a little ner- I was a little nervous that it was going to be like really unpalatable. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't really nervous. I mean, I guess I had read that there were like that theaters were like beefing up their security and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I certainly read some like headlines about like, is the Joker movie, you know, is this going to be bad? Basically, mm-hmm. is it going to incite violence or whatever? Right. Um, as far as the the incel angle, I mean, I guess nothing made me think that just because. It, I didn't get that vibe from the trailer, and that's mm-hmm. not what I think Joker is. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. It's almost weird. Like I don't know where that concern came from. I will say that. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, I, the the whole girl not falling in love with him part. I don't know where that came from. But I mean, the whole like, oh, society's wronged him, mm-hmm. and so he's gonna be too sympathetic, mm-hmm. and he's gonna commit acts of violence that are viewed in a sympathetic light. I mean. I guess I, I see that, but I don't see that as unique to this movie, mm-hmm. right? Like in any film that has a person doing heinous things, but tries to sort of show the humanity in that person, mm-hmm. you could, you could argue, you know, that's kind of risky territory, right? Yeah. So like you don't want to make them too sympathetic, right? Yeah. But it's it's sort of funny to me, like as long as it's comic booky enough. Like, a lot of people, I don't think serious film critics necessarily said this, but a lot of, like, comic book movie fans with the whole Infinity War mm-hmm. uh, uh, saga, you know, were like, Thanos kind of has a point, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that was that was supposed to be, I mean, I, I personally feel like that's a little silly. It was Totally, but, yeah. But people who felt that way, I feel like they felt it in the... They would say things like that almost to to praise the movie, to say, like, this is a great villain, mm-hmm. you know, because you can kind of see his perspective. Right. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just the realism of this movie. Mm-hmm. The style of it makes it seem more serious. But for people to be like, it seems worrisome that this villain might be, you know, humanized. Right. Seems to me like, isn't that probably what you would expect of, like, a good movie? Well, I think there's a difference probably between humanizing a villain and like sort of having some empathy and portraying that villain as being justified. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between humanizing and glorifying. Right. right. And I think it's that, that was, I was nervous going in that it was going to tilt too far in the glorifying direction. Um, Not even because, you know, like the movie's allowed to do whatever it wants to do. And if it wants to do that, it's, that's fine. It's allowed to. I suppose I was almost concerned for like society, you know, mm-hmm. like um, <laughs> what will this movie unleash? Well, this that, on the I, streets of our cities. That was sort of the thing. Like, I mean, they're hiring security guards. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, and it's none of this came to pass, though. Yeah, yeah. So far, 
hopefully never. Oh, um, we're three weeks in. Yeah, I, I guess really the, the point being, like, there are so many instances of, you know, really disturbed people in this world creating lots of pain and suffering for other people in public places, right? And so I was sort of just very concerned about a movie where, like, the character is sort of fundamentally about that, mm-hmm. right? Um, that I was, it just, I don't know, it just made me uneasy to think that I might be, like, walking into a movie that was basically glorifying my future murder, right? Um, <laughs> All right. So, All right. so those rate, were your fears. That's my fear. What, yeah. how, how did... Um, how did your expectations play out after having seen the movie? Did, where, did you feel like it was what you were fearing? Um, I don't put it this way. I feel like anybody with a you know, sufficient number of brain cells, which is not very terribly many, would not view this movie as a glorification of the Arthur Fleck character or would say, like, um, he is justified in murdering people, mm-hmm. right? Um and at the same time, I absolutely believe that somebody who's in a really damaged state could see this movie and view it as being like an inspiration for, um, you know, mm-hmm. doing terrible things. Now, that being said, I think the same argument that you would always make in that situation applies, which is anybody who would do such a thing will be tipped over the edge by anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so in that regard. So in that regard, I basically got um, basically got what I signed up for right i i did think like the trailer was pretty uh indicative of the type of movie it was going to be which is like a fairly artful tense um intense movie right and with with some sort of really on the edge um thematic portrayals that i think you know a savvy movie goer would interpret with sort of empathy and understanding the humanity that's being portrayed there and i think a you know a less sophisticated movie goer might um use to justify some wrong stuff but frankly that is true in any movie that has violence you know at all Mm -hmm. um but but did you like the movie i'm less certain i know the answer to that question yeah, I guess we came out and you said that you felt like maybe you hated it <laughs> or something. Um, I did, yeah, I did not enjoy the experience of watching it. Mm. But when I think back to various moments in the movie and I've got a little bit more distance from my immediate visceral reaction, I feel much, I feel much more um, uh, appreciative of it. So, for example... Um, well, I mean, we can get into, like, best parts of the movie yeah, later. Yeah, later. But there are definitely parts that I think on now and feel like, what a impressive sequence mm. versus at the time I felt like I was sort of overcome with the more, like, immediate emotions of the moment. Right. Well, I I think I think my whole... The, the whole arc of my experience of this movie is much less complicated than yours. Uh-huh. I think I was just looking forward to it. I didn't have a lot of concerns about its impact on society or anything like that. Right. And coming out of the movie, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was not very conflicted about it. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was like a really great performance by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, We talked about this after, like as far as what the movie has to say and things like that. To me, and I I might be doing the movie a disservice by sort of oversimplifying it, but in my mind, I was just like, no, it's like, it's a Joker origin story, you know. It's like right. it's about a it's about a comic book supervillain. Yeah, and I I think it does a great job. 
I know some, you know, like some people might not like having like an origin story spelled out for a villain like the Joker. Um, uh, but I mean, put it this way, if you compare this to like, uh, Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd much rather have an origin story like this. Yeah. Um, than, than something ridiculous like the Star Wars, uh, prequels, um, that, you know, I, I think some people, uh, that's probably an unfair comparison. I think some people might not like, like having it spelled out so clearly by, for the Joker, cause he's so inherently mysterious as a character he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think this movie still like leaves open quite a, quite a bit of, of, of open space to like, you know, it leaves a lot of room for your imagination to kind of fill in. Right. Um, connect the dots from here to like the Joker we all kind of are more familiar with from right. movies and comics. And, and, but, but I feel like what it does a great job of is just painting a picture of the kind of psychological, first of all, psychological disposition and then trauma and upbringing and just difficult life mm-hmm. that, a, that a man who's already troubled to begin with right. might have that would push him to this to eventually adopt the persona of this completely over the top right. villain. One thing it doesn't f- sh- sh- like totally fill in, but I'm okay with that is how does he get to be like on the level of someone who could be Batman's arch nemesis? Right. It doesn't really explain how he would reach that level, but it I feel like it explains how he would become as twisted right. as he as we know and love him to be. Right. So yeah, so viewed through that lens I didn't view it as like what is this trying to say about our society or about you know toxic you know uh, toxic masculinity yeah or like toxic elements of our culture or anything like that Um, I was just like this is Gotham City you know he's the main antagonist in this movie is Thomas Wayne you know I don't feel like it's really and like I said, I might be underselling. Like maybe the movie was trying to say some things about our society, but I feel like the things it's trying to say are are broad brushstrokes in the same way that comic book stories generally are. You know, right. they're stories of heroes and villains of like archetypes. Right. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just, I feel like it was very, it was very straightforward for me. I thought the performance was great. The movie was really well made. Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Um, Minus a few quibbles, which we can get to in the fix the movie segment. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just big thumbs up for me overall. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's go move right along to, uh, box office, which is a big one for this movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so I will, I will, we'll start with the standard starting point. Why don't you guess what you think this movie made in its opening weekend? Oh, in its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Didn't it make like ninety million dollars in yeah. its opening weekend? Yeah, I think it made ninety six million dollars. Holy moly! Which yeah. is a record for uh, October, apparently, or a record for at least for an R rated movie in October. Okay, um, might be a record for October period. I believe it just became the biggest R rated movie ever. Like my understanding is, it's past three hundred million dollars, right? Is that domestically? Yeah, but I think I think internationally, it's even. The biggest ever. That's crazy. This one, like, there's, there are debates, I think, among analysts, like, going on right now of whether it'll surpass a billion dollars worldwide. Wow. Which no R-rated film has ever done. Wow. Um, 
But anyway, it's already past Deadpool, Deadpool 2, mm-hmm. which I think were the top two R-rated movies maybe before. I'm not sure exactly what the ranking Man, was. Man, like, it just it just goes to show nobody knows anything. Or at least certainly I don't. Maybe that's the simple... Because you wouldn't have guessed that this would be so big? No, I would never have guessed Well, that. it is amazing because the budget for this movie is way lower than right. like, like a Deadpool. But just when you like put it... When you like hang it all together and you're like articulating like what is this movie... Like Joaquin Phoenix is mm-hmm. not like a huge box office draw. No, but Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. You know, we've talked before about like some of the some of these like uh, actors who play these comic book roles. Yeah, like um, like Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about before. Is he like a huge box office star? Not really, but Chris Evans as Captain America, that's a huge... It's like a, yeah, perfect you know, marriage of it's like It's like if character. you made a Captain America, like today, if you, right. if Marvel like parted ways with Chris Evans and they made a new Captain America movie with just a different actor, yeah, even potentially a big actor, it would probably not do as well as with Chris Evans. So there's like this like symbiotic relationship I feel between the mm-hmm. actor and the character mm-hmm. and granted Joaquin Phoenix has never done Joker before but I think like the combination of this guy who everybody knows who he is everybody yeah. knows he's like a great actor mm-hmm. but he's not a major you know movie star mm-hmm. but he's known as a great actor and then this character that everybody loves and knows as this complex you know troubling character I think the promise of like, oh, that guy's gonna play that character. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was a huge draw for people. Yeah, it's funny. I'm thinking like because I feel like um, similarly, or maybe ne- even not really because of his acting bona fides, but just because of his performance. Like he, until this movie, obviously the the most iconic Joker was Heath Ledger. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, even more so than I think Jack Nicholson, right? I mean, they were both super iconic. Though, that's t- right? that's true, but I think, but put it this As way: as was Mark Hamill, right? Yeah, and an- <laughs> Batman animated series. But I mean, if, for our generation, anyway. But like, let's let's presume Heath Ledger, just for the sake of discussion, like if Heath Ledger had not died, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And at some point after the release of The Dark Knight, they decided to make a standalone Joker movie with Heath Ledger in mm-hmm. that role. Mm-hmm. And they were, and it was like we're going to show you the origin of the Joker or whatever. That would have made a billion dollars. Take now, take out like the fact that Chris, Christopher Nolan would never have made that movie, and like that was sort of antithetical. He might to, not have, but. right? But it's like I think that would have been a similar thing where the world would have just signed up for that. Yeah, it's like, for sure. Because yeah. it's like, oh my god, this is like an electrifying performer, an amazing character, you know. And there's like a whole um, because it's a story of the Joker. It's not going to use, like, superhero movie rules. You know what I mean? Right, because he's not a superhero. There's something going, like, innately surprising about it because it's just not a format that you get very frequently of, like, oh, let's just, just the the story's entirely about the villain, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so to, I think that is in part one of the reasons that I felt, like, just compelled to see it because if it was just another superhero movie... And like, no, this one's a really good one. I was like, yeah, but isn't it just going to be the same as every other one yeah. in some ways, right? Like, yeah. we know how these go, right? But what this movie was like, I do not know what is going to happen in this movie, mm-hmm. and therefore I have to go see it, right? And so, yeah, I think you're right, that there's something about the character, there's something about the performer, and there's something about, like, the fact that the novelty of a villain movie, right, 
of like an actual serious villain movie. Right. Like, like for some, this is a weird movie to compare it to, but for some reason my mind just went to like, you know, another movie they made a, that's a, ostensibly about a villain is Maleficent. Right. You know, the Disney movie. Right. But even though the like posters and stuff for that movie made it kind of look like it's going to be this dark mm-hmm. movie about a villain. If Have you seen Maleficent by no, any I've, chance? I've not. Uh, it's you know it's a Disney movie. It's right. like she's it's like oh wow surprise she's actually very like relatable mm-hmm. and sympathetic in the movie and there's basically very little darkness to it. Um, this one, you know, uh, is is very different and you could tell from the marketing and everything like this is going to be a dark movie and yeah it's actually about a villain who's actually a villain a bad guy yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. in the end although you could also tell from the marketing he was gonna. He was going to have a relatable story, at least for some portion of the movie, which he does, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe relatable is not, not relatable so much as sympathetic. You under, yeah. And it, you it, sympathize with it. And that was something him. I've been thinking about, like, since we saw the movie and I had my immediate sort of, you know, distasteful reaction to it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about the movie is in some ways it is like articulating the cost of of villains like in the Chris Nolan Batman the Joker they make great efforts in the film to erase or obfuscate his past right like he doesn't have one he's just this force that enters into the world for no reason right which is almost like exactly how we like our villains Mm -hmm. right right yeah we We, don't want to know where they came from right i mean like thanos even who like is you know marvel's best villain like i don't think we get an understanding of like baby thanos and like what his mom was like no and well and back to back to the not to poop on the star wars prequels too much but you know that showed us kid anakin Mm -hmm. right but it's like you can't really i mean that that sort of was completely outrageous because he just right. had this like happy childhood. Just and, a normal kid. Yeah, there was yeah. like no reason for him to have become Darth Vader, um, at least at least in the early parts of the prequels. But in this film, you know, it's like yeah, from the beginning, you know, you see, yeah, he's he is not a lucky person. No, the trajectory of his life is is pushing him towards madness, basically. Right. Right. And so I thought that's something that this movie does that's like there's a um there's a sort of like are you not entertained aspect to this, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like this is the cost of like you being able to have the Joker is this is the life that this character has to have had, right? I sort of feel the same way about um are you familiar with the character Rorschach from Watchmen? Mm-hmm. Right? It's sort of like this, and Watchmen I think is a really great example of this just generally, which is sort of like what would drive somebody to this type yeah. of life, yeah. right? Um, it's not a healthy upbringing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so this movie is just sort of another examination of that. Like, if you really want a, a character in the world like the Joker, even in the, the you know the fictitious world of this film, this is what it costs. The film, like, this is the life that this person has to have yeah. in order to sort of get them to this stage where they are just like grade A public sociopath. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um I think this this is kind of we're we're get kind of getting to why and this is I, we can just pretend that we are in the themes section now because mm-hmm. we're basically talking about themes. 
Um, but the reason I'm sort of okay with, um, like the idea of explaining how a person gets to be this way, I, I think uh, to me, it's actually important. Like I, I'm much more of the opinion that we should try to understand, uh, you know, we should sort of assume that like nobody is just is just magically evil. Right. That, you know, it comes from somewhere. And like I know I already said I don't really feel like this movie's trying to say something like about a deeper message, like or or that's just not how I personally appreciated it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, like for you to have a character like the Joker, who we all know he ends up, you know, being the super villain who's gonna like kill people and, and, you know, put people through horrific kind of, um, you know, psychological trauma and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really bad guy, you know, that's how we know him. So like, how does a person become like that? I think, I think I'm okay with exploring that in a way that makes you sympathetic for them because back to there being a difference between being sympathetic and glorifying, I think, uh, it's like really looking at Arthur's journey in this film. Mm-hmm. It's really sad, you know. Yeah. It's not like it's building towards this thing where you're like really pumped that right. he's turning dark. You're really sad. It reminds me of um, uh, something I said when we talked about Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. How how I was surprised that the movie depicted some of the members of the Klan yeah. as, in my opinion, a lot more sympathetic than I expected, and. I think like that doesn't mean it's glorifying them. It or it doesn't mean it's glorifying the clan. It doesn't mean it's justifying their behavior. It doesn't mean that to the viewer the message could possibly be like, "Oh, you see these guys aren't so bad. So maybe like you want to be like these guys, right?" <laughs> right, right? No, it's like it's not saying that. It's yes. saying you see some of these guys are it's not like they were born bad it's not like they're bad to their down to their core. It's like badness can manifest through when, when given the opportunity, you know, and isn't that sad? Isn't that something we should all be sort of dismayed by? And, and if we kind of agree that like we're all humans and humans are driven to evil through pain and Mm -hmm. suffering of various forms and confusion and fear and all those things. Right. Then like, let's remember that and let's try to view everyone as a human and try to, you know, and if we could all do that, how many cases like this could we possibly prevent? You know? So, cause I mean, you know, I think there's some people who might take objection to the idea. Like uh, if, if you try to make the case that this person is totally understandable, then you're, then you're like normalizing evil or something. I don't really think so. I think it's like, I think it's very clear in this movie that, if Arthur experienced, let's say, just 50% more or 75% more or just, like, some amount more kindness in his life, yeah, just on a more regular basis, he probably wouldn't turn out the way he does. And, and that's not justifying it. It's just saying, like I said, it's sad. It's really sad that, you know, that this can sort of be a person's life and that this can be how they will end up. Right. Right. So that to me, I mean, I don't, that's a lot of words. I don't know how I'd encapsulate it. Um, but I feel like that to me feels like the main theme of the movie. 
Yeah. That it's like a trap. You know, at one point he says, and I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything because it's in the trailer where he says, I used to think my life was a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Now I see it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's sort of, you know, exactly opposite of what you're actually seeing. Right. Right. Well, he's that it is a tragedy that that this has happened to this man. Yes. And his insanity is that he begins to view it as a comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like that the punchline, you know, his punchlines that are ultimately all very tragic and horrific. Right. Make him laugh like they make him laugh. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of in, indicative of really the sort of mental rot that's happening inside his, between his ears. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there is something about the relentlessness of the way he is treated. And I think the movie, um, does a really, uh, a really good job of, I, cause I genuinely feel for the first act of the movie, certainly. And probably into the second act, Arthur's really trying, Mm -hmm. you know, Arthur's really trying to be a good son, to be a good employee, right. Mm -hmm. To be social or make friends. And he's not good at any of these things. He's not talented at being an employee or um, particularly gifted at being a loving son uh, or a friend but I really genuinely do feel like the character is making an attempt. And the fact that he is constantly met with cruelty, indifference, abandonment, right? Um, ju- lack of support professionally. It's just sort of like nothing. He is being, gi- the reinforcement he's being given is that he should not behave in a positive way. Because everybody yeah. is treating him terribly when he does. Yeah. I think, I think how terribly people are treating him is, um, maybe a little bit, uh, open to interpretation given how the, some of the movie unfolds. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I also view it as, uh, there's this sort of like, uh, really unfortunate cyclical feedback loop that can happen where, um, like Arthur is a little weird, you know? And and for a, a good portion of the movie, so a lot of the characters aren't necessarily being cruel to him. No, but he is a little weird, and so he doesn't. He's not able to form like really good, meaningful relationships. Right. And so what he gets from people is just kind of awkwardness or coldness or right. you know not necessarily cruelty, but also not warmth really. Right. And and nothing helpful that's really building him up. Yeah. And so that to me is is that is a very real phenomenon that some people who are just a little off yeah can experience where it's like I'm trying but I'm just a little bit different and I I have trouble relating to people and mm-hmm. that prevents me from forming good connections and that makes me resentful and then mm-hmm. that makes me angry and that makes people withdraw even more. Yeah. And then and it's like it doesn't take that much. It almost feels to me like it, uh uh just like an illustration of how fragile it can be, yeah. you know, and how it doesn't take that much to sort of drive a person, not through one traumatic experience necessarily, but through just a series of, you know, 
small, small misfortune after small misunderstanding after, yeah. after small, um, you know, failure to connect with another person that it all spirals into just eventual madness. You know? Yeah. I, I definitely think Cause you've that, got no support. And this is precisely sort of like the edge that I was describing at the beginning of this conversation. Cause on mm-hmm. one hand I totally agree with you. And then on the other hand, you want to make sure you don't you don't slip into, and I I think the concern is that people will some will somehow slip into, and therefore he is justified, right? And it's like that's not that's yeah, but, nobody's making really that argument. But right? I mean, I guess what does justified mean? It could there's two things that I think people are afraid, and I don't think either of those things is is the case in this movie. One is like when you say someone's justified, you could mean, and therefore they shouldn't be held accountable. Right. right. Um, and, and, or it was right that they did this. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess I kind of view those as that they shouldn't be held accountable or they shouldn't be punished. Right. Because there's nothing wrong with what they did. Right. I don't really feel, um, like I don't really feel like sympathizing with Arthur in any way leads to that yeah. um, conclusion. I think the other thing is back to the the glorifying part. Like justified could mean uh, that it looks really desirable to be Arthur. Right. And I definitely don't think that. No. Um, like I don't think anybody um, – and by I'm not just talking about reasonable people. I mean I think Arthur's not portrayed in this like positive light as someone you would want to be. Right. Right. So, um, so it's not, it's not like he's someone you'd want to be. And it's also not like his actions are something that you would think, uh, oh, that, yeah, he should just be allowed to do that. No consequences. Right. right? So, I mean, like, I think the movie tries to make it so you can understand him, but I don't think that's the same as him being justified in either of those two senses. Right. Right. I agree. Um, okay. Is there anything else we should say on themes? Should we get, should we get into... Yeah, I I, I feel pretty good about where we're at regarding sort of like the themes and sort of some of the more like thorny parts of the movie. Okay. Um, let's give the spoiler warning then. We're going to start talking more freely, I guess, than we have been. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We should get we should get like a sound effect that we can play there. Like, like a... Like a <laughs> spoiler alert, like a submarine. Like yeah, whatever, Simon. whatever that sound is that I just made. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, so I think next we do we do like uh, you know comparisons like Rich Man Poor Man or other mm-hmm. movies that this reminds you of. I think there's some pretty obvious ones. Yes. Although I haven't seen one of them, I've only I'm only just aware that. So I've we've both seen Taxi Driver. Yes. Has a lot in common with Taxi Driver. Yes. And it apparently also has a lot in common with King of Comedy. A movie neither of us has seen. Okay, so you haven't seen it yet. Right. Okay, well then we can't really comment on that particular mm-hmm. uh, similarity. But, I mean, Taxi Driver, Travis Bickle. Um, yes, I mean, it is, like, extremely, um, you know, it owes quite a bit to Taxi Driver. And mm-hmm. I think it wears that on its sleeve. And um, if we were doing a rich man, poor man comparison, mm-hmm. I would say this is a poor man's taxi driver. 
right? Yeah, but it's it's kind of a uh, it feels like not quite the right comparison because um, I don't know. I think I think your typical rich man poor man is kind of like you think of the poor man as like this like fumbling like you know lesser lesser version or like in my mind it's like a version that's in a completely different class mm-hmm. whereas I th- I still think this movie was really well done but it's just you know it's yeah. kind of like you're comparing it to a classic so yeah to me um you, no totally I mean it's unfair to compare any movie to Taxi Driver because Taxi Driver is basically you know a a masterpiece um the reason i compare it aside from the fact that they have they share sort of a similar trajectory they share obviously robert de niro they share some of the same sort of um very explicit uh like gestures that are made in the movie right Mm -hmm. like the famous like finger gun to the temple Mm. thing that um De Niro does at the end of Taxi Driver is a motion that the Zazie Beats character in this movie does mm-hmm. in the elevator, right? Um, and they even play with quite a bit throughout the film, right? Um, mm-hmm. So aside from sort of those sorts of similarities, aside from the, like the clown locker room is extremely similar to the cab driver sort of locker area and Taxi Driver, um, the... Yeah. You know, the trajectory of the film being about, you know, the decline of one person uh, into sort of a a maddened state um, is an obvious comparison point. But for me, the reason that Taxi Driver sort of is a more fulfilling viewing experience is actually because it's, to me, a more devastating viewing experience, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Taxi Driver, I remember having watched that in college and literally didn't want to leave my room for three days. Like, I was so depressed, right? I'm, I'm impressed at your ability to be affected for that long. I it, feel like it, even when a movie hits me really hard, it's gone the next it day. It really, yeah. really did something to me. Meaning, like, the loneliness, because that movie to me ultimately feels like it's about loneliness, uh-huh. right? And about, like, his true isolation from anybody else and his inability to articulate his feelings or be understood Mm -hmm. by anybody else, no matter what he tries to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And even his like attempts at violence are thwarted, right? Like the type of violence he wants to perpetrate to sort of bring meaning into his life. He can't do right. And so at any rate, um, taxi driver, like that crippling loneliness was like transferred to me like a virus Mm -hmm. and like, I just felt like everyone is truly alone, right? Um, <laughs> what's the point? What's the point? And so with Joker, um, I f- like I'm obviously making this comparison as I'm watching the film. They want me to be making this comparison, and the one thing that it wasn't able to do was transmit to me some sort of core emotion that I feel like Arthur was going through. Mm-hmm. And so in that regard, it felt like less fulfilling. Now. I'm actually somewhat grateful because I didn't want to lock myself in my house for three days. Yeah. But at the same time, it, you know, when you're comparing these two things, I, you're sort of presuming a somewhat overlapping intention. And I feel like one film was more successful at communicating that intention than the other. Yeah. See, this is not really pertinent to this conversation, but uh, do you think, if you can't imagine it, do you think if you saw a Taxi Driver for the first time, at this point in your life that it would affect you the same way? I don't know. 
it's it's different when you're married. It's different when you have a child. It's different. Yeah, when you I, I feel like you'd be a little more resilient to it. Probably that's probably just a weak, <laughs> weak boy. College is an emotionally fraught time. <laughs> um, you know those teenage to to early All those adult hormones. years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's a good compare. I mean, it's the ob- most obvious comparison. I think we're also we should not be linger on this section too long because we gotta move along. So what was the what were the best parts of the movie? Um, for me, the, the part that will stick with me is the part after he commits his first, I'll call it a murder, right? On the, um, on the train? Yeah. Yeah, I think you can call those murders. It's a murder. I mean, um, it's self-defense, but, so manslaughter maybe? I don't know. Right. Kind of murder, though. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, he shot them, like, in the head, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's. At any rate, like, to kill. he takes his first life, right? Yeah, yeah. Three. And he sprints away in his clown shoes, mm-hmm. right? And finds some public restroom, some dingy public restroom in what's probably like a park or something, mm-hmm. right? And the way the camera moves, it sort of tilts down to his feet. And you see his feet move in this sort of unnatural way mm-hmm. and then you realize it's because he's sort of begun to dance mm-hmm. right that whole sequence because he's exhilarated by be- what just happened because he's feeling so yeah exhilarated is the right word um it's sort of a because sh- prior to that moment the real tone of the film was that of like there's sort of fear and adrenaline happening mm-hmm. right and just the fact that in that moment he just sort of slides into this extremely sort of um, reverential sort of days and he his body moves in these unnatural ways. It's just this really great marriage of like the performance, uh, the character, the motivation, the camera work, the music, yeah. like all of those things just really work very well in concert. In did you sequence. did you listen to the director's cut on this movie? No. So I did uh, and Todd Phillips was saying, that that is not what was written in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of those, like, they bas- basically did that on the day. Mm-hmm. And it was like, apparently in the script, he was supposed to run into the bathroom. He's supposed to, like, look for a place to hide the gun. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, like, deal with the evidence or whatever. Yeah. And that, that I can't remember if he said it was him or Joaquin Phoenix, who was like, why is he acting this way? Like, it doesn't seem like Arthur would really be that concerned with the evidence. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and they were just like, the scene just doesn't feel right the way it's written. Yeah. And that basically he just like started doing this like weird dance Mm -hmm. and that, um, then he just told like the camera guy, he was like, he was like, just, he's like, just start on his foot Mm -hmm. and then just like start, start, you know, following him, like Mm -hmm. go, go with what he's doing. Right. And so that was like a, just a spontaneous, they figured it out on the day. Yeah. Which I, I'm always fascinated by stuff like that. I get the impression that like a lot of great films, a lot of stuff that is magical apparently happened on the day. Yeah, you know? yeah. Spontaneous like kind of moment of, of inspiration right. or whatever. Because, yeah, you can't, it'd be very difficult to me to communicate the type of feeling that that scene gives you in words, you know? Yeah. Like if you wrote in the screenplay like Arthur dances, right? I like, mean, I, I would say uh, almost like feels like, dangerous to admit but I mean I feel like as a as a viewer I was a little bit exhilarated you know I feel like it was 
it was communicating to me his feeling in that scene mm -hmm. because, you know, these guys are clearly dirtbags. You mm -hmm. know, they're picking on him. They're picking on this woman, first of all. Right. And then they move over to him and they're picking on him. And then they're like physically beating him. Right. And does that mean they deserve to die? Of course not. But in the moment, I mean, I think the movie does a good job of putting you in his shoes. And he's like terrified. Mm -hmm. And he's he's just, you know, and he's so used to being a victim. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, he's like, you know, it, I guess it dawns on him that he has this weapon. Right. And he takes these guys out and he feels really powerful. You yeah. Know? It's like these guys thought they could just pick on me. Mm -hmm. And now they're all dead. You right. Know? And um, and I think on just like a real primal kind of level, there's something even if you're not a violent person, even if you, you know, are horrified by by on face value by what you just witnessed, there's there's something triumphant about the like sort of David versus Goliath underdog sort of framework there, you know? Yeah, I think to me in some ways that's actually that story is really interesting because I think if you are writing the script as if Arthur is a, quote, normal person, mm -hmm. right, you would stay in that sort of heightened adrenal state, right, mm -hmm. where you're sort of both, you're like terrified and you and you realize the gravity of what you've done mm -hmm. and you are, you know, thinking about how do you cope with the enormity of that, mm -hmm. right? And the like the insanity of the Arthur Fleck character is that he like embraces fully the choice that he's made and feels no regret. Yeah. Right. Well, I, and, and much of this movie towards the end, it's sort of, I view it as he's realizing that he's been trying to kind of control these aspects of himself for so long, right? He's felt very repressed. Yeah. And as the movie progresses and he does stuff like this in a, in a big way, it's him sort of feeling free, you know, right. and sort of letting this, this kind of demon that's always been inside him, letting it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like feels good to let this demon out of your body or of your repressed, you know, out of its cocoon or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, what other parts of the movie were great? Uh, I just will say that I found it thrilling the way he pronounced Robert De Niro's character's name. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think of Robert De Niro's character? Um, I don't know. Fine. Uh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I felt. I asked because I, I actually have, have heard, um, I've heard the viewpoint that he is like terribly miscast in this movie. And I've also heard the the opinion expressed that he does a great job. I, I feel like he had to be in this movie, uh -huh. right? Like I, um, and I also feel like I could it would you would think that the Murray character would need to be a lot more charming, mm -hmm. right? De Niro is not, despite all of his gifts, like the most charming performer, right? Um, I don't He's find good. and I don't find him to have like a ton of like natural comedic chops. No. So like when he's trying to, when he's making like a huge audience laugh, I'm like, this isn't believable because <laughs> Robert De Niro's not funny really. Yeah. Um, but that's just, you know, that's nitpicky stuff. I feel like that's relatively, ultimately I think it, the movie needs De Niro in it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like he's fine, in, uh, but, but like you say that, but then I personally think like, uh, not to be critical of someone kind of like 
out of nowhere, but like Jay Leno, if you look at Jay Leno's, like who was incredibly successful on the, the what is it, the Tonight Show? Sure, yeah. He, like, I don't think he was very funny, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, um, you're right. It, like, but I mean, he was just kind of like likable and people liked, yeah, a lot of people liked his personality. And I mean, and guy. I mean, him not being funny, I don't even think is necessarily a reflection of his comedic ability. He was just, it was just a written show. I feel like. A staff of writers. I feel like that show, the Tonight, the Tonight Show under Jay Leno was not about him telling cutting edge or really inventive jokes. It was about him being warm and friendly and familiar. Yeah, so I guess I guess my point is just like Murray seemed like, oh, he's like kind of a Jay Leno yeah. type of like he's not hilarious. But people at home are like, I like this guy. They he's just like funny. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fun show where he interviews people and talks about stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um so but I didn't think he was amazing and I also didn't think he was bad. I just thought he was fine. Um trying to think if there's any other I mean, I personally really quite liked the 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 ending but also just the sort of progression like I really like the idea that the Joker kind of you know the Joker mask the Joker mm -hmm. uh, kind of caricature mm -hmm. uh, becomes like this movement in Gotham yeah and he kind of stumbles into being this like messiah figure for right. for you know for the for this this presumably, this apparently, you know, like huge contingent of really uh, bitter, angry, you know, mm -hmm. people who are who who are pushed to the breaking point uh, to the point where they're like willing to just like riot in the streets and stuff. Yeah. And and I'm completely OK with it being not really explained very well mm -hmm. and kind of vague because, again, I view this as like a comic book supervillain origin story. Right. Um, and I feel like in a comic book, if they were to portray like the background of the Joker, according to the narrative of this movie, there would just be some panels of people yelling and, you yeah. know, and it's like, you get the general idea, right? right. Like, you, you know, that there are ways that this could happen in the real world. Mm -hmm. We don't need to get into the specifics of like, why, why is this resonating with the people of Gotham so much. Right. But we've, we've painted the, the basic, you know, we put in the basic pieces for you, like Thomas Wayne, mm -hmm. billionaire looks down on people, mm -hmm. you know, while people are suffering on the streets mm -hmm. and there's a lot of resentment for him, like not under, like people like him, not mm -hmm. understanding what these people are going through. Yeah. And, and then this story comes out of this guy who was dressed like a clown mm -hmm. killing these, you know, despicable banker guys right. on the train and people like Thomas Wayne are like shocked and they're like, how could this be? Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, the people for whom this really resonates are like, yeah, we good riddance. We love that, that those right. guys got killed. Right. Right. Um, so, but I just love, I just feel like the movie does a really good job making that all kind of make sense all yeah. to the point where by the very end, you know, when he's, when he's shot Murray on his show and that's been on live television and people can see it on their mm -hmm. TV screens that it would just prompt, it would prompt this level of, of like inspiring, uh, people to basically embrace the dark side and, right. And have these riots and, and, and finally that him being carried away in a police car and then pulled out of the police car and like lifted up that mm -hmm. they would be like, they would be like cheering him on and, and, and like viewing him as like a savior almost. Right. Right. Or at least a symbol. You right. Know? 
and and that he would be like, all right, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the first time in the film, really, that he's being celebrated for who he is. Right. right? And that's and that's very clearly, and this, we, I mentioned in the beginning, like, I don't, it's not like the movie makes it very clear how he could ever become the kind of Joker that Heath Ledger is in The Dark Knight. Right. But I feel like it just leaves it wide open. It's like, this is the very beginning right. of him actually being this character. Yep. And now he's got a long way to go. Um, anyway, okay, I see the time. I see that we are out of time. So uh, let's skip to Would You Beam It Up? Uh, I would, I would you, know, you know me for earlier. I would say no. I probably would not beam this up. You would say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, our astronaut in space, would be like, send me Joker! Right? Um, I think I would beam it up. Okay. But this is this might be the first episode that we're actually putting up where we have not been aligned on that, but there will be more. There have been the others we've talked yeah, about for that sure. we weren't yeah. aligned on, and there will be more. I, one thing we haven't worked out is if, if I want to beam it up and you don't, what happens? Uh, we end up putting it on the end of year best list yeah, anyway, probably. yeah. yeah. Or I think we've talked about, like, when you're not looking, I beam it up. Right, yeah. (laughs) But no, I imagine... Hey, Dan, what happened to our uh, space internet bill this month? I don't know. It's uh, $4 billion this month. Uh, I beamed up every movie that came out. (laughs) Um, Well, anyway, I think I would. You know, that could change, as with all opinions. Um, But right now, it does feel to me like it was a pretty special movie, and I don't know. If, if I'm going to beam up any comic book movie, this feels like one that I would do. I look forward to eating crow later when I fully come around on Joker and decided that it is yeah, a modern yeah. masterpiece. But for now, I I feel like I'm going to save my yeah. save my internet. Totally fair. My internet bill, right? Mm-hmm. Space internet bill. Yeah, my, my 5G. All right, well, that's our uh, review of Joker. Goodbye, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Bye. Bye.